Ultra. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers, One Trixie Hobbits is at a Time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm a nice Smeagol. <laughs> I'm Norman Mitchell. So if if you're a nice Smeagol, am I like a Gollum? No, Smeagol and Gollum are the same, so I would also be Gollum. But no, they're different. That's the whole point. But they share a body. This got weird real fast. Uh, so today... <laughs> that means that Smeagol's never alone at any meal. I'm a golem. Ah! Um, today... <laughs> That's me when I'm hungry. Um, today... <laughs> We're going to be talking about... I laugh at every single one of those golem shouts. The screeches. Oh. They just... all... Ah! Just, it's the facial expression of the sound. <laughs> we get a really good one tomorrow. Well, what about... We're, ta- we're talking about... Minute 146 today, which starts with Faramir watching Frodo leave, uh, as per, you know, last minute, and ends with Faramir also watching. He's always watching. There's a lot of Faramir face. Is that the, is that the title? Faramir face? Just in the last week and a half. It's just just been like either starting or ending with Faramir's face. And it's various, um... I don't know. He has he has good face. David Wenham has good face. David Wenham. That's a premium face right there. No, I think it's... <laughs> Top 1% face. <laughs> Top quality, great o- A. Occupy face. <laughs> that got weird. Um, He's really good about communicating a lot with a facial expression. Yeah, even just very subtle ones. The... Like, he's kind of smirking at the end of this one. And even though the camera's pretty far away from him, you got a really good read on his facial expression, also kind of through his body language. Yeah. Like, he's he's very good at that thing in particular, the, the silent communication. Yeah. Because his face is good. Because his face is good. It's a quality face right there. Just, you know, it's a great face. I am not a fan of this week. Yeah, there's some rough stuff here. Some rough, rough things. Uh, Poor Gollum. I, I don't, I don't want to do the thing. Like, I know what's about to happen. Um, Because yes. Gollum gets black bagged and I know what's going to happen. But I don't want to watch it. <laughs> they don't even wait very long before they jump him. No, they don't. Man, I... They're, like, efficient, I guess. They're good at their kidnapping job. But he's like a puppy that just caught something. I and know. he's so happy. And he's walking across the little little path. And... He trusts Frodo so, like, not, like, implicitly, but, like, he trusts Frodo enough to follow him. And then they're about to destroy this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's all Faramir's fault that they go to to Shelob. 
TBH. At least movie Faramir. I know book Faramir is like well has like sunshine and rainbows coming out of his ass, but like movie Faramir. So I I think even without this, they would have gone to to Shelob because. It's the only because other way that Smeagol knows to get in. Because it happens in the book, and well, we it, don't want to change it. It's just the only other way in. It's either the Black Gates or the path of path of Kirithungle. Tunnel. A tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, has that happened? Yeah, that's happened. Yeah. Yeah, that happened a while There's ago. A, a hidden stair, and There's some stairs and a tunnel. <laughs> it's like, mm, what's in the tunnel? Mm, maybe a giant freaking spider. <laughs> be a really big monster how convenient that you don't mention those giant monsters like i don't know the size of an f-150 just a which compared to a hobbit is rather large just a pickup truck size spider like a, a big pickup truck <laughs> my god i don't know man i'm out bye just just tagging out. Yeah, you know? have someone else. I don't know, mystery co-host tomorrow or something. Spooky tags. I'm like 50% serious. Like, I don't like watching Gollum get beat up. At least it's only, the beating up is only contained in one minute. Yeah, least. but that's like a really long minute. Yeah. Especially, I think it's yeah. worse if it's like all in one minute, because that's all we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Tomorrow's episode is going to be 30 seconds. Be like, peace, bye. Gong gets beat up. It sucks. Moving on. <laughs> I cry, bye. Um, <laughs> cry, bye. <laughs> I just, I, I feel so bad for Gollum. He's just enjoying his life. He's living his best Gollum life. He's got a fish. It's raw and <laughs> It's juicy sweet. It's nice and cool by the rock and pool. He is just, I don't know, he's tearing into this fish. And Frodo's that's, that's like, That's quite a hey. smash cut from, like, super quiet to... <laughs> with the waterfall, and Frodo comes out of this bush, and Gollum's just like, didn't I lose you? What? Smeagol's just really confused for a second, like, hey. I, I lost you. I ran away from you, because we were going to get caught by some guys, and I just was like, nope, bye. Where'd you come from? Did you get caught? Maybe not. Hmm. And then Gollum is just like Come banging. <laughs> nice Smeagol. Gollum's just like banging pots and pans together like, alert, alert, alert. <laughs> Something isn't right here. Because the way Smeagol says, we have to go right now. He doesn't quite say it. I mean, you're giving him too much grammatical credit. Now very questioningly. Yeah. And to me, that kind of relays that he's not 100% sure he could he should follow. But yeah, Smeagol trusts Master. He swore on the ring. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, yeah. All right, man. Just let me bring my fish along with me. <laughs> just got to have this for the road. It's so sad. And then pretty much as soon as he gets into the drier part of the the shore, he gets jumped by two guys and black bagged. Yeah. Don't struggle, Smeagol. So sad. I'm What's so sad. What's he gonna sad. do, Frodo? He got jumped from behind by two guys and they put a bag over right? his head. Right? Like, okay, examine the last time he got jumped by two guys. He struggled. Yeah, yeah, because the two like guys it. were Frodo and Sam. And they were, you know, they could have killed him. Yeah. 
I mean, and they're much smaller than these two guys. Yeah. Like, that's what, that's part of what makes tomorrow so terrible is how much bigger they are than him. Yeah. It just makes it look just bad. Beat, it's terrible. Like, Sam is not excusable. Like, Sam yanking Gollum around. But it makes, I don't know. Gollum can put up a fight against Sam and Frodo. Yeah, at least he's got, he had a chance until Frodo pulled a sword. Right. And then, you know. You've seen this fight before. <laughs> and then cries deeply. Yeah. <sighs> but, yeah, and then Faramir just watches this whole thing unfold. He's a loomer. I'm looming. not, I'm not a fan of slippery Faramir. Like, conniving Faramir. Yeah, like, and for similar reasons, I'm not really a fan of how kind of slippery they were trying to make uh, Aragorn look. They didn't go quite this far. What? Aragorn? What? They, like, they were trying to make him seem just a little slippery. And I'm not a fan. In the beginning. That that was their intention Aragorn? to make him, yeah. That was, we talked about it on, in Fellowship when we were talking about all those first scenes of him. I have no memory of this place. <laughs> but, uh. Part of their intention was like for with you to be... Strider? Yeah, part of their intention with Strider was for you to be not 100% sure whether oh, you could trust him. Whatever, he's hot. Uh. <laughs> so, and... But... I get what you're going for. You no, want no, no, some no, no, tension. No, no, no. I mean, like... But for the same reasons, I'm not necessarily okay with, like, you making Aragorn morally ambiguous for the sake of moral ambiguity. Aragorn... Okay, Strider coming off as morally ambiguous? Yes, because, A, his name is freaking Strider... Like, clearly it's an alias. They have no idea, like, what his deal is. They don't know him yet. If we're, like, introduced well, to we this... we don't know this guy yet either. We, we know this guy. At this point in the movie, especially the extended cut, we know this guy. Yeah, the flashback... We just, know like, what his deal is. Fills in all the boxes. Right. And I don't like... I like... Moral ambiguity is fine. Because the first thing he says is morally ambiguous, like war will be corpses of us all. Right, like his 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 meditation on war. That's that's one thing I like. Uh, like Batman, Faramir, I guess. Where? Well, I I mean I think that whole meditation on war is just telling us in a very broody way that can be interpreted a couple of different ways. I think it's really just supposed to tell us that this guy just hates war. He doesn't want to be a part of any of this. Well, I mean, yeah, because that was his brother's thing. But he's still a captain. Like, he's still in charge of a country and the the men of, I don't know, like, the fighting force of that country. He's right. in charge of at least a handful of them, if not more, because he's a freaking captain. And I think that the way that all these Faramir scenes are kind of stitched together, if you take that first, like, meditation on war and weigh it against this scene in the cave in the quote-unquote present and then weigh it against the Faramir from the flashback, uh-huh. it's kind of easy to see that like monologue as a bridge between those two versions of Faramir. I if you disagree. Start in the, if you disagree? Well, keep going. Because if you, you take Faramir from the flashback. Yeah. So just, just imagine just kind of watching them in a different order. Like watch the flashback. Okay. And then watch the Faramir introduction scene, and then watch this stuff. And I think if you watch them in that order, it act- it shows a progression from flashback Faramir 
to what we see here. But what we see here isn't Faramir. Right, this is an, an act. Yeah, I hate that. That's what I like. I hate slippery. Fra- I guess I should have like explained it more. I don't like Faramir pretending to be his father. Yeah. I hate that. It's terrible. It results in terrible things. Yeah. I don't like Faramir pretending to be. I mean, we like. I know we like barely know this character, but like. We know this character. I I don't like Faramir pretending to be someone who he is not. I don't like Faramir pretend or like, I don't know, like, yeah, you want to please your dad, like your father. You want to make your dad proud or whatever. Like, you just lost your brother. It's kind of like hard, but like. (sighs) A related kind of query to that is how many of these men are maybe loyal to Denethor and a part of this company to keep an eye on Faramir. I feel like Faramir wouldn't allow that. Like I or at least Can he do like, anything about it? His second in command, like him and his second in command, I feel like are pretty tight. I think like this like he is Robin Hood, second in command's little John, and like the, these are his merry men. Like these are his like bros. Right, but in a in a political climate like what Gondor is going through can he really trust everybody to not just report to his father about things that his father might not approve of that he's doing? I think he has to also put on a strong face, like a really maybe stronger than he wants to face here, just because that possibility exists. Or if if anything gets back to Denethor about him being soft, it just will, it'll, yeah, it'll just, it'll just prove his father right, quote unquote, and just make his time even worse. So I think when dealing with a prisoner like this or dealing with combat, he is almost really forced to be this hard. And then in times where they're not necessarily engaged in a battle or dealing with other things, he's allowed to be more free. Like his conversation over the map doesn't come off as even the same kind of person. Right. I guess what I'm trying That's a quiet to... moment with just his bro. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is they... You know, I've never really thought too long and hard about Faramir's characterization, but now that I am, like, forced to. Oh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> <Well>, golly. <laughs> now that the opportunity arises. Well, this is just like with Boromir in the first movie. Right. I mean... You have to take those deep dives. Yeah. But I think this is more, instead of, like, discovering... The fact that I love Boromir, I'm discovering the fact that I do not like movie Faramir. At least this movie Faramir. Because yeah. his, 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 you can tell that they had no idea what to do with him. Like, you can tell. Well, yeah, because book Faramir, we, and we, we've said this a lot, you know, he, he presents a cinematic problem. Right. I mean, that's one thing. But, like, at least be consistent in your changes. Yeah. Because they talk about, you know, this being so a late cast and being kind of forced into doing some late filming and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it suffered for that, of course. Yeah. I actually don't necessarily think the flashback belongs in the middle of this scene. I think it hurts what they were trying to do in this scene without it. 
And if you had seen it after this, I think this this whole stretch wouldn't feel like such characterization with Lash if you saw it later. After he does terrible things? Yeah, it, because it's because you see it right before the interrogation scene and like this that it feels like such characterization with Lash where if you saw it later, it would be like, so here's who this person really is. After he has the moment with Frodo where he decides not, ultimately decides not to take the ring or like closer to that moment, I think it wouldn't have undercut this, what they were going for in this scene quite so much. I under- But I don't really know exactly where else you would put it. Right, I understand putting it where they did because we just found out that this is Boromir's brother and he has the weird vision about the boat and then he immediately goes into, like, reminiscing about... Yeah, he immediately goes into the flashback. Right. Like, I think you could have... You, you, st- you can communicate the relationship pretty well just with, like, that weird vision scene that, obviously, this is something that touched him deeply. You have this vision, this, like, this seeming dream of, like, mourning. Yeah. And then if you just went right into, hey, we found the other one. I don't think that you nec- you don't really lose anything out of like this actual present day scene mm-hmm. by doing that. I th- I think that the flashback undercuts the theme of this stretch in the present which to is... a degree, which is showing us how far this guy is willing to go for Gondor before he reaches like his that li- his, that, line. his line, which really comes later in the movie when he decides to ultimately let them go. Yeah. But you are right. Like, there's there's not another good place to put the flashback. And, like, because remember when we watched the theatrical... Without the flashback, like... We, we like, missed it. So... Because, yeah. I mean, because the scene itself is so good, I don't think it mattered where it was. Like, just missing right, the flashback right, right. feels bad because it's such a good scene. But yeah, I, I think you, you ultimately you're right. There's just not another good place to put it because yeah. it's about his relationship with Boromir and his right. father. So the only other place that you could put it wouldn't be in this film. Right. It would be in the third one. And the third one's long enough. Right. Like it would, <laughs> you would bloat the third one because the only other place I could think you would put it would be like the first scene that has Faramir and Denethor in it together in Return of the King. Hmm. But then, like, I think that takes away from, like, Pippin's emotional journey in Gondor. Yeah. To put something that's so important emotionally to another side character in that same place. Right. So I don't really know where else you would put it, but I think it does kind of undercut this moment. Okay. It it takes away from the goal of leading you to believe that this guy is truly terrible. Because... That flashback kind of eliminates any guess that he's, you know, not going to be at least somewhat good-hearted in the end to me. And I mean, at the end of the week still is teetering on the line. Mm. But it's like another, well, like 30-ish minutes until he ultimately decides to let Frodo go. 40-ish minutes. Is that that soon? Uh, Because... There's only about 60 minutes left in the movie before the credits right now. Oh, that's true. That's true. So it's like 45 minutes from now, 50 minutes from now when 
like they're here happens like that's <laughs> the poltergeist moment yeah <laughs> so it's not like it happens that far away dude really. that's like an hour right but when you can like percentage wise of the movie yeah, okay. away yeah, yeah it's really not that far yeah that's fair so yeah i don't really know where else you can put it i just i just think it hurts trying to sell this version of faramir and it just makes you be like, well, why would he do that? Right. Right. I'm, yeah, I'm not a fan of power-hungry, like, douchebag Faramir. I think that there are little cracks in the act, in the performance, but they're they're very small. Like, the when he finds out that Frodo was with Boromir. And he's just like, well, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Were you friends with Boromir? Yeah, but... Again, that's pre-flashback. Yeah, but that's pre-flashback. And then post I think that he's initially, like, very taken aback at the idea that this creature is their guide. Like, the look on his face when he lets Frodo go down to the pool mm-hmm. is someone who's still processing what he's been told and not someone who is, like, currently planning to screw this over. But then by the end of the minute... He has decided, like... No, I need to, like, capture this thing. Yeah. I have some notes about Gollum for this minute. Okay. That they talk about in the design commentary. They talk about using live models to do some of the animation for creatures and some of the work for creatures. Like, they got some heavy set guys in to walk around in the studio so they could do some design about, like, how a heavy creature like the troll moves by watching the way that muscles on a heavy set guy move around when he moves. Mm-hmm. And they had a lot of trouble finding models to get a look for Gollum, the way that they wanted, like, Gollum's musculature and the way he moved to look. Right. And then one day, I think I think they say Richard, I think Richard Taylor says one day he was watching John Howe draw with his arms, with his sleeves rolled up. And he's just like... <gasps> perfect! And he's just like, I think we have something here. <laughs> and John Howe's musculature was, like, a lot of the inspiration for Gollum's upper half. Because John Howe is apparently a very thin, very lean and muscular man. Mm. So, like, like Gollum's arms are John Howe's arms. It's pretty much what Richard Taylor <laughs> said. And then he was, a lot of the, the musculature in Gollum's upper half was kind of based on John Howe. I don't know if that's flattering or not. Like, because you're trying to see how a thin, muscularly lean person moves. No, it's important I, for the animation. Right. I am, I understand that. But like, it's like, hey, Gollum was modeled after this guy. It's like, ugh. <laughs> well, not directly. Yikes. <laughs> Inspired by. <laughs> but I just think it's funny. It's just like John House drawing on day and he's just like, he has a very thin and muscular arm. <laughs> Eureka. We found it. Uh, well, I think that wraps up today. Uh, we're from the website duelinggenre.com. Check us out there. Check out our Patreon, which you can access from duelinggenre.com slash support. Uh, lately we've been doing these, well not lately, we've only done one, but, uh, in the, the coming months we're going to be doing these, um, dueling genre, like, movie reviews, um, where different hosts from different shows will do a, um, like a Google Hangout on stream it on YouTube and our Patreon 
supporters get to vote on which movie we talk about. So in uh, mid-August, I guess it's still August, um, this month we talked about The Prestige, uh, which was a really cool um, discussion. Uh, if you haven't seen that movie, you should watch it. I'm included you... in the camp that hasn't seen that movie. Bef- watch the movie before you watch the discussion, <laughs> because they spoil everything. Uh, and I'm not quite sure what the September movie will be, but I will be on that discussion. Um, so that's exciting. So if you want in on voting for future uh, movie reviews, um, check out our Patreon. Please and thank you. Special thanks, as always, to our Patreon associate producer, Ed Foster. We hope everyone has a good Monday, and we'll be back to... Well, Norman will be back tomorrow. (laughs) Just soldier on. (laughs) We'll be back tomorrow to talk more about The Two Towers. Bye. Bye.